0: You're listening to The Broken Meeple Show, a podcast that speaks passionately about board games for the benefit of those who play them. My name's Luke Hector, best known for the Broken Meeple YouTube channel, and I'm an everyday gamer just like you. And I'll be talking about reviews, top tens, and just about anything that connects me to board games, as long as I have a tea or coffee in hand, that is. So grab a cup, relax, and enjoy. And remember, it's only a game. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another podcast episode for The Broken Meeple Show. I'm glad that you gave such good feedback about the one last week, particularly with the new format and how I was going forward with it. So uh, we're going to continue with that. And there's quite a lot on my note sheet to go over on this one, so we better get started. But uh yeah, quite some good topics, some good news that have happened, some big game titles that I've played lately, another channel shout-out, a topic of the day, and some cool stuff on the horizon. You name it, this show has got it all. So let's see if my voice can last long enough to get through it. So first of all, generally, how am I doing? Pretty good, actually. I mean, work is still... <sighs> I'm still overworked and it's still a bit boring at work. I mean, that's always the case. All right, that's never going to (laughs) change. That's never going to change. All right, that's going to be as it is. But in terms of the channel, things are kind of cool, actually. I mean, uh, the new changes that I've been doing for the format of everything have been very positively received. And so far, I've done very well with a couple of new things lately. Uh, We did a live stream last night with Spencer from the Lighting Up Initiative, Top 5 Disappointing Board Games. And it's gone very well. It's already got quite a few views um, as it is, you know, since the stream because most people tend to watch it after the fact, which is fine. You know, if you can't turn up live, that's fine. But the new format went very well. We did our top five games. I spent more time at the start having Spencer talk about his channel and what he does because people requested that they wanted to know more about the guests I brought on. Fair play. You got your wish. But On top of that we also went into honourable mentions so even though it's only top five we still effectively mentioned 10 games each just five in less detail than the other and then we got the live chat involved a lot more and did a Big section where we go through all their suggestions, but like how the dice tower do on the end of their ones, where they say what didn't we mention? It's like well, this is the same deal, and then we commented on those. The stream was shorter than usually. I mean, it's still ninety odd minutes, which is not the shortest stream in the world. I, I wanted it to be closer to sixty, but I think I've just given up on that fact because if you want me to talk and debate and get like into a nice casual conversation with the live chat, I'm afraid you just can't do a sixty-minute stream with top lists. It's just not possible. Not if you want them to be uh, fun anyway. But 90 minutes, I think, is a much more digestible size compared to two to two and a half hours like the streams used to take. So hopefully you like that. Let me know in the comments if that is uh, going well for you Um, next week. Well, we'll get on to what's uh, happening next week uh, at the end of this episode but also I did a recent video Uh, my top 10 lists are back so just to say that you know we now have a top 10 list uh, top 10 essential expansions that I've done it is being highly well received <laughs> I mean this is like back to the old days of how my top 10 lists used to do a ton of likes a ton of comments granted I've most of these comments are my responses to said comments but there's still been quite a lot on there and it's just like It's showing me that clearly you lot have missed those top 10 lists that I've done solo. I really shouldn't have kept them off this channel for this long. And even my subscriber count has shot up recently since I put that video out. You know, a good like 70 plus subscribers since the last, since that video. And you know, I know some people can get 100 in a day without even blinking. But still, this is positive. It shows that the changes that I said I was going to make based on your viewer feedback at the end of the day are being well received. So things are going to continue and I've got more ideas on the way. Uh but in terms of my general life, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we've since the 17th of May, we are allowed to socialize indoors, so we the game cafes are back. So you might have seen me on social media putting up pictures of games I've played in the cafes with people, with friends, with other human beings. Oh, it's so good. But and it's just got me into a much bigger, better mood. I mean, I'm going to say hands down. Yes, I may have said some stupid things over the last year. Yes, I may have, you know, put my foot in it in various places. Maybe I sounded a bit grumpy and whiny at times. I'm putting a lot of that down to the lockdown because I think mentally it just affected me badly because basically every day was just go to work, bored, overworked, then do nothing. You know, do nothing but, you know, blog and hanging around at home by myself and i enjoy doing the blog stuff but it's still effectively another job but with no other way of socializing and all the restrictions we had lockdown really took its toll on my mental state thankfully though ever since mid-april going back to the gym and massage treatment and stuff that has really helped in fact i'm going to go to the gym later on today i think um and uh but but since the 17th of may being able to go indoors and actually socialize with people for games i mean i've been to both my local game cafes three times this week and I went out for a meal on Thursday with uh, some friends of mine so you know I've and even yesterday I went to a mate's house and you know a couple of us were there to just like play some Super Smash Brothers and you know Tower Fall on on the, on the Nintendo Switch. We just got to finally live our lives again and yeah we're still taking precautions and such but it's just it just felt so much better and it's even better in that sense because you can't you're not going to be able to see it on the screen. Uh, I think it's worn down by now. But as of the 19th of May, I got vaccinated. So I've, I have got the first vaccine dose coursing through my veins, Moderna or whatever it's called, the American one. Uh, next dose won't be until about early August, I suspect. But, you know, it's already booked in. But yeah, it's going through the system. It's doing its thing. And all I suffered was a sore arm. It made it very difficult to change gear in the car the other day, which was uh, somewhat funny. But it seems to have... um worn off pretty well now. I can move the arm without any uh, you know, pain in there. As long as you don't smack it, it's fine. And even then it's not that bad. But I didn't get any headaches, didn't get any fevers, didn't get any nausea. I think the worst I had was a little bit of tiredness and a little bit of achy muscles. But to be honest, considering most of the week I've been going to bed at early morning hours, I think I could put the achy muscles and the tiredness down to lack of sleep. So I'm not really going to blame the vaccine for that. But yeah, things are on the up. So, all good, all good, all positive. So, moving on to the next idea. What have I played? I've played a lot (laughs) because of the game cafes and stuff. I've played a lot. So, you know, what games am I going to go into without too many spoilers? Well, why don't we start with Destinies? Yes, I have got Destinies. I've got a review copy of this and there will be a detailed review. I'm going to do a detailed review of this because something needs to be said. Yeah, I've played this. I've played the entire campaign through. I haven't played it competitive yet. That's going to happen during the early stages of this week. But I've played it all solo. I've played two modes in it. There's Challenger and there's Explorer mode, right? I'm going to say this now. Do not play Challenger mode. It is bad. Very bad. It basically has the same deal as explorer except you are time pressured to get your stuff done and destiny's if you don't know what it is it's basically a story-driven uh, app-based game in the ve- same vein as chronicles of crime from lucky duck games and you you choose a character you've got one of two paths that you've got to achieve by the end of the game and you go and explore and you go find stuff it's your generic story-driven game but the app does a lot of the uh, management for you this is marketed as a competitive story-driven game and it's like that's a bit different but fine although we'll find out whether that's a good thing or not in the next couple of days but solo hmm i have some issues you know it's light it's very easy to get into and it's well produced and the app is fantastic not going to deny that but Challenger mode is a waste of space. It really is. Because in the challenger mode, you have barely like what? Eight turns to do a scenario. Like barely any time at all. And if you don't go down the perfect route and get your perfect skill tests, you will not pass the scenario. So you run out of time. So then you have to rinse repeat it and you have to think right well hang on going there was pointless going there was pointless I'll go on this route now and then you fail again and then you rinse repeat does this remind you of anything oh yeah time stories time stories the exact same problem with repeating runs in time stories is in this in challenger mode so I'm just going to say now do not play this in challenger mode it is a waste of space all right fine and there's all and you can get a ton of kickstarter stuff although there's only five scenarios in the base box and even with all the kickstarter stuff you only get 11 scenarios i think in total so it's not exactly a massive boost but explorer mode takes out the time pressure so you have no like time limit but the problem is there's also no tension because there's no way to fail the thing you just keep going until eventually you succeed and the stories aren't exactly gripping i mean chronicles chronicles of crime has some interesting stories that you figure out with plot twists here it's just your everyday run-of-the-mill fantasy trope story there's nothing major to it there's some mechanics that are cool you know the skill markers where you have little discs on three different skills and you move them down to say what do you have to roll on 2d6 in order to like get how many successes although it's not 2d6 they're capped at four and some of them are repeated so your average roll is kind of like a three a four in total so it's kind of weird how the dice have been made like that but it's pretty standard. You get items, you scan the QR code and you can do various interactions via the app. But I managed to blitz through this whole campaign in less than three hours. I spent more time going through the Snyder Cut of the Justice League i did playing this game solo and i'm a fast gamer yes and i'm a bit of a speed reader but honestly if you play this solo it does not take a long time to play this game and in fact if you play this solo there is no point in using the map tiles the map tiles are completely pointless the app in these other games does a good job of being useful but still requiring you to do the physical components mainly because of combat and enemy movement here though everything is on the app Pretty much, aside from your own player miniature. If you can't remember where one player miniature is on the map at any given time, then maybe you shouldn't be playing this game. It's like, seriously, it's not that hard. (laughs) Not hard at all. So you can actually blitz through a scenario in 30 minutes if you just ignore all the shuffling of the map tiles and sticking them out and flipping them over Fog of War style. It's like, it's on the app. Why do I need it on the table? So. I don't want to go into too much detail because I'm going to do a review of it, but suffice to say my initial impressions are not good. There are people out there, you know, Dice Tower, Quackalope, World Game Co and that, that are giving this 9 out of 10s, 5 out of 5s, you know, giving it all sorts of praise and I have no idea what game they were playing, but so far it is not the game that I've been playing. This has got off to a very bad start, and I'm going to preface people that you should maybe want to wait for my detail review, which I'm going to get done very soon. I'm literally going to play the competitive game over the next couple of days, and then after that I'm going to get the detail review recorded and get it released. So hopefully in about a week max... By the latest next week, Wednesday or something, I should have that review done and ready and released. I do strongly recommend you come and watch that because, you know, I feel that people have been hyping this game far too much. And I think we're going to have a kind of Rotten Tomatoes thing of where the critics and the user reviews are going to be a bit on the disparating side. So uh, wait and see. But so far, not a good start. Not a good start at all on second Vault though the other game sorry not second votes the next game had a well a lukewarm reception but it's still pretty sweet uh war of the Ring. i have finally played this game i finally played war of the rings second edition i had it unboxed it played it last week tuesday with a friend of mine who had only played the game once only played the game once and you know so we were both pretty much new to it Although we made the mistake of not having enough time to read the rules in full before we started playing. So this game took nearly like, you know, we couldn't finish it in the four hours that we had, even with pre-setup, because we spent so long in the first few rounds trying to figure out how some of the rules worked, particularly with the Fellowship it became a bit of a problem but we almost finished it I mean what two to three rounds I think I needed because I was pretty much on the there's a little track uh, close to where Mordor is once your fellowship gets there you kind of move it along this track and then when it gets to the end if you're not corrupted you win I think I only had two more spaces to go and I would have won so you know it wasn't exactly that far off the end so don't think it's like a, a false impression just because of that but War of the Ring is this big, epic two-player game. One is the Free Peoples, one is the Shadow Player, and it's all based on the Lord of the Rings lore. So Shadow, Mordor, Sauron, Isengard, all that, free people, dwarfs, elves, north, hobbits, and the fellowship of the ring. And it's basically trying to condense all the movies into one big game. And it certainly does do that. Now, I forgetting the fact that the rules are comprehensive and that the rulebook is okay but it's like incredibly text heavy you know i had to get some uh reference aids off the net speaking of which shout out to um esoteric order of games their reference guides were very useful in me learning this so check them out if you want to find some good rules reference aids particularly for war of the ring second edition but uh we we played a game and we went head to head i remember gondor being basically the center of all combat uh, i remember Uh, A place near Rivendell was at the Woodland Realms. The Wood Elves got conquered relatively early because I just basically didn't go and support them (laughs) because, let's face it, I had other things on my mind. And I got the Fellowship across the board. I split them up quite early. I sent the Hobbits uh, on a big sort of detour past Helm's Deep and into Mordor. And I was about two to three rounds from getting them there. Sorry about that. clear my throat. But the game itself is very epic. And it's very long. It's very involved. It's not the fact that there's so many rules in the game, although it's hard to remember a lot of the rules because it's all text heavy. It's just the fact that there's a lot to consider in terms of where you're going to move units, uh, what you do with the action dice as you roll them. Are you corrupted? Do you need to hide the fellowship? Do you need to move it? What's the shadow player going to do this turn? There's a lot of interesting things there. And so far, I like it-ish. (laughs) I'm kind of uncertain I need to play it more obviously I mean this is the first game I've played this is ultra first impressions but I had qualms about some of the strategic options in the game like why would you keep the fellowship together you might as well just split them up and let the um, characters level up and get you more action dice because if you don't you're kind of screwed uh, some areas on the map just didn't really get utilized i uh, didn't see any way that the free people could get their four victory points from conquering strongholds um, if the shadow player knew half of what they were doing so it's like it all rests on the fellowship of the ring then i guess and and i didn't feel that the event cards were that interesting either i mean there's a lot of rinse repeat they didn't feel that thematic it was just like oh the cards are a bit of a letdown you know maybe the expansions solve that problem i hear lords of middle earth does that but this was base set only. But I did enjoy, you know, the card play in general. And I did enjoy the theme of the game as a whole. And I thought it was definitely a very strategic, very, like, open-ended game where, you know, you definitely had a lot to think about. And it was definitely epic in scope. But I'm a little bit uncertain as to whether this is going to win me over, especially for a rank 13 game. But I need to play it soon as a shadow player and see what I think. And then I can make a decision as to whether this is going to stick around uh, a bit longer. Or whether I'm like, nah, I've played it. I'm good. And, you know, send it forward. You know, maybe do a blitz review of some first impressions of the game. Because obviously I'm not going to play this 10 times before I comment on it. Because I haven't got the time to play this for 10 times before I comment on it. But I think after a few games, I should have played it enough to get a feel as to whether I'm enjoying myself or not. So, yeah, I mean, it's cool more it's a it was a fun game but i need to be more familiar with the rules and you know some of the more strategic options of the game and i need to try it from both ends we'll see how it goes from here but yeah i finally played it it just hasn't blown me away as much as uh, some people expected it was going to but we'll see how it develops in the long run i guess uh, we've also played Pictures. Uh, I played this on the Wednesday. I finally played... I think this was the Spiel Aris winner from previous year. I can't remember if it won the Spiel or it was certainly nominated. But this is basically a party game. Uh, P.D. Verlag put it out and it's pretty straightforward. You essentially have a bunch of images um, in a tableau that everybody can see in a big grid and then you pass around all these weird components sticks and stones building blocks some shoelaces some picture cards a pixelated cube art thing and basically you draw out of a bag which one in the grid you've got to describe to other players and you use your components to display it you get points for guessing other people's right but you also get points for people who guess yours right it's okay I thought it was going to be better than it actually was, especially for a spill winner. I mean, it's certainly simple, anybody can play it and it's got some good fun. But the uh, issue I have with it, though, is the point scoring. I feel that this is more fun if you just go into it for a laugh and treat it a bit like concept. So forget scoring points, you might as well just play it to have some fun. Because the problem is, is that with guessing other people's stuff, that's cool, cool, I guessed your one right, I guessed your one right, one point, whatever. But people guessing yours right is a bit on the unfair side at times. Some of these components that you use are much easier to work with than others. I mean, the picture cards are usually pretty good. The building blocks are pretty nice. And the pixel art is pretty is surprisingly good. But you try and create half of these pictures with sticks and stones and shoelaces. It's a bit more tricky. And some of these pictures are like nice and easy. It's like, oh, there's a big sunflower. Okay, well, okay, pixel art. Yellow, bit of brown green there you go nice and easy you can tell it's the sunflower but then you get ones like where i had a, like a the back end of a motorcycle in a stream in a small forest and i had to create that with two shoelaces how exactly do you do that you know some of them you just end up with some combinations that are just impossibly hard to do but you then lose out on points because nobody can guess your one correctly, but it's no fault of my own, it's the fact that I had a stupidly hard one to do, and Muggins to my right here had a really easy one to do. So, how was that fair? It didn't seem like the point scoring was justified or balanced, and that was a bit of a put-off, and, oh yeah, it doesn't look like it won, but it does look like it was nominated uh, last year, looking at the box for the uh, spill the Aris bit, but... You know, it's a bit of a laugh. You know, I enjoyed trying to create these, uh, you know, these pictures from all these random components. It's a neat idea, neat concept, funny enough. But I don't think the point scoring works. I don't like the way that you suffer because you end up with a stupidly hard picture and the person next to you ends up with a stupidly easy picture. It's not like it was any fault of my own that the cards just ended up that way. It was just luck of the draw. So... That kind of was a bit of a letdown for me. I would rather just play this game for a laugh, see what you can do, treat it like concept, don't score for points, and you'll have a decent time. But yeah, not really like something I'm going to be desperate to play over and over again, particularly if people want to score it. I mean, I gave it a 6 out of 10, the first impressions. It's fine, but spill the Iris nominee, I'm not seeing it personally. Okay, right, a little drink. And finally, Sunset Over Water. I very briefly want to go into this game. I found it. I got it for free at a Dice Portsmouth sale. They were, it was a game that was still shrinked. I mean, it had some box damage, but it was shrinked inside because nobody had taken it off their shelf to play it. And this was a small game that Mike Delicio said was really relaxing. It's number one relaxing game in, on, uh, on the Dice Tower Top 10. And Z Garcia really liked it as well. I think he gave it an eight or seven and a half. I don't know what he gave it, but he liked it as well. And it's got Beth Sobel's. Gorgeous art, you know, the same person who did a lot of Wingspan's art, you know, she really knows what she's doing when it comes to her art. I mean, look at this picture. I mean, if you're on the deluxe, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see these pictures are so gorgeous. But honestly, if you're listening to this in audio, go look it up BGG, look up Sunset Over Water and be immersed in the imagery. It's so good. But this is a very simple card game. You can play the solo or with others, and I think it scales pretty well across the lot. And essentially what you do is you have a little uh, painter dude on a grid of all these landscapes and you play these cards simultaneously with the other players to dictate turn order as well as how far and where you can move and how many paintings you can do. So how many of these landscapes you grab. They've all got symbols on them and you basically collect the cards, get the symbols and match them to contract cards or whatever. I think Commission cards they're called. And you get points for those, and you can get points for leftover symbols at the end, and there's some daily goals you can do. It's very straightforward. I mean, I'm making it sound a bit more complicated than it actually is. It's mainly just collect the cards with symbols on it. I mean, it's almost splendor levels of simplicity there. But there's a little bit of nuances with the fact that, you know, other opponents could restrict where you can move or nab the paintings before you. You've got those cards that dictate turn order. So it's like, well, I can pick up more paintings if I wake up late. But then if I wake up late, I go last, which means that somebody might nick the paintings I want before me. Oh, this could be problematic. In a solo game, there's some different rules as to what happens with those cards. But you usually get like three um, you got to pick one out of three at a time and it dictates where the cards get removed from the board that you're aiming for. The solo mode's actually pretty good. It's a nice relaxing puzzle, like Mike Delicio said. But even multiplayer, it's not too bad. I'm not sure I like it that much with two, because I think you've got too much of the board to go around but 3 and certainly with 4 there's only so many of these things because the grid doesn't scale with players so with 3 or 4 players a lot of this landscape could change or get blocked off if you're not careful with those simultaneous cards and so there's a nice little bit of tension in there without making this game frustrating or stressful it's still nice and relaxing and a lot of it just comes to this gorgeous artwork it's so beautiful well done Beth, seriously you have got talent But yeah, this was a nice little hidden gem find, actually. I mean, I don't think it's like the best game ever. It's not going to blow people's minds or win awards or anything, except maybe for the artwork. But it's well produced. It's nice and simple rules. It has a solo mode that works. And overall, it was just a neat little find. I'm surprised that this didn't get played in their library, especially if someone picked up the box and looked inside and saw those cards. But I have a feeling that because it was shrinked inside... I think Dice Portsmouth forgot to unwrap it. And I think the other... Whoever picked it up probably wasn't keen on unwrapping it. And also, to be honest, as much as the box cover is nice, I don't think people would have picked it up just by looking at the box. And certainly a lot of people have not even heard of this game. So I think that might have hurt it as well. But honestly, if you get a chance to look at Sunset Over Water, it's a neat little game. I I don't think... I mean... I suppose I'll put it in the next uh, Blitz review I do, when I do another compendium of uh, Blitz reviews. I could uh, talk about it in more detail there, but uh, I notice I haven't rated this game. Uh, well, Let's see, uh, it's not worth a 10 or a 9. I mean, this is not a game I'm going to play over and over again, but I mean, I would give it a 7, possibly an 8. I don't know I'm gonna give it a seven for now that is the minimum value I would give this it definitely deserves a seal of endorsement and I certainly recommend giving it a try but maybe like with more plays it could bump up to an eight I don't think this is quite seal of distinction level but it is a nice neat underrated card game 2145 on board game geek I think it could be higher than that right Oh, mind me, I haven't even got partway through the uh, podcast yet, but we'll, I mean, like I say, this is just going to be a lengthy one, I guess. So let's go on to some news now. The Spiel Jahres Awards. I'm not going to talk in too much detail about this, but uh, yeah, Spiel Jahres 2021 has been announced. So now we can talk about some of these nominations. Well, like I said, briefly, because a lot of these games I've never even heard of. The Spiel Diaris has got uh, Robin Hood by Michael Menzel, Micro Macro and uh, by Johannes Zeich and Zombie Teens by Annick Lobe. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing half of these right, but oh uh, well. I've never played Zombie Teens. I've no idea if it's a good game or not. I've never even heard of Robin Hood. It's a Cosmos 2 to 4 player game though. Cosmos are pretty good with these small games and Michael Menzel makes some really gorgeous artwork, so I certainly want to try Robin Hood and I still haven't tried Micro Macro. So honestly, I honestly I don't know what's going to happen with these. I think that micro macro is going to take this without a shadow of a doubt, because it's the one I hear people talk about. But honestly, this is a interesting selection for the spiel. Perhaps there just wasn't many releases last year, because... Well, actually, there wasn't because of COVID, funny enough. But yeah, I don't know. I'm not exactly that blown away by the spiel this time round. We'll see who wins, but I'd be happy to try out Robin Hood, if that's any good. However, it, uh, well, actually, Kinderspiel first. I... I don't have kids. I don't play kids games. So I can't really comment too much on this. But we got Mere London. Uh, we have uh, Fabel Vulton. Which is also known as Storytel- um Storytellers. Sorry. Uh, from Lifestyle Board Games. And we have Dragomino by Bruna Uh, Which is kind of like a kiddies version of King Domino in a sense. Uh, from Pegadish Spiel and Blue Orange. No idea what these games are like. Although King Domino is very popular with the masses. So I suspect Dragomino could be pretty good. I mean Bruno Kafala behind it as well. Uh, but then Anton Balzer is doing Mere London. So who knows? Uh, you know, interesting thought. Uh, I've not played these games. And I'm never going to play them. Because I don't do kids games. But uh, I'm going to place bets on Dragomino. Because it's coming from a King Domino background. And I think that's going to play a part. The Spiel, on the other hand. Now this is weird. I've not played two of these. But the disparity with... The, the problem I have with these Spiel Awards. Is that just like the BGG Awards that I ranted about. Which was funny enough, more popular than I thought as a video, uh, they tend to get their categories a bit messed up. The Spiel der is meant to be family and entry level. The Kenner Spiel is meant to be more strategic and gamery. Here though, from what I have heard, Fantasy Realms is a very light game. So what's it doing in the Kenner Spiel? Paleo is kind of somewhere in the middle from what I'm told, and I would like to try Padio from Hans and Gluck, but... Is it really suitable for kenner spiel i mean this seem it seems still light enough to be a spiel winner but who knows i mean i've not played it but i'm very happy to say that the lands sorry the ruins of arnak from czech game editions is there as a kenner spiel nominee and i will be flabbergasted if it doesn't take the award for the amount of buzz this has had for how good this game is if this does not get the kenner spiel i will flip I mean, well, I suppose I won't flip too much because I need to play the other two games to have a bit of view on that. But I'm going to be I'm gonna be surprised if Lost Ruins of Arnak doesn't take this. So I am predicting right now uh, Micro Macro for the Spiel, Dragomino for Kend- uh, Kinderspiel, and Lost Ruins of Arnak for the Kennerspiel. We'll see. But yeah, a weird list of games this time round and most that I've not heard of. So not a lot more I can say on that one, but that's just to let you know that they're around. Uh, let's see, we'll get onto that one in a minute, but let's do a simple one. Uh, Dominion, have you got tired of Dominion yet? Not really? I enjoy Dominion, I like playing that game fine, but Dominion is getting a new app. I'm using a polygon here to just uh, illustrate the point, but, uh, yeah, classic card game Dominion is getting a scary new AI app. Well, to be fair, it's about time, because Dominion has come out twice already in app form, and most of the time it's, well, sorry, it's been crap, so it's like really bad, but this is looking pretty good. It's been, uh, it's collaborated with Rio Grande Games and developer Temple Gates Games. And Temple Gates have done some good stuff in the past, like Race for the Galaxy app and that. A little bit dated, but, you know, they're good apps, uh, what they do. And they're going to put an AI into the game so that you can play Dominion against, you know, a computer opponent and hopefully against human opponents as well. But, They are really bigging this up. I mean, it looks good from the screenshots, i got to admit. And we do need a Dominion app. I think Dominion would work brilliantly on an app, you know, with multiplayer or solo player against an AI. I think it would be brilliant. But the weird thing is, is that they're really going mad on this AI. They are saying it's going to be super intelligent. Tons of combinations. It's like, you know, we've got like super duper scripting. And they make such a bold claim further down. Where is it? Uh... Yeah, one of the crazy things about this AI and one of the claims that we're making is that this AI can master cards that have yet to be designed. Wow, that's a bold claim. It's <laughs> a huge bold claim. They're saying that this is so intelligent that it's going to be able to pick up expansion cards like that and figure out combinations with them and stuff and be like a difficult opponent. I will see. I mean, these games can hide cheating in terms of Decent AI by simply having the AI draw exactly what they need at any given time. But I mean if the AI can figure out good combinations in this way, then fair play to them. I'm not going to say it's impossible, but that is a bold claim, and I'm not uh Hmm, you know, I'm not convinced you can achieve as bold a statement as that. But I do want to see a Dominion app. I want to see one that works, and I give Templegate games as much hope and you know support as I can to make this work. Because I think we need it. All Dominion fans need an AI app for this. It is long, long overdue. And now finally on the news. This is a little bit of a touchy subject. So I do apologize in advance. But I'm not going to go into too much detail on it. There's been a bit of a controversial update recently. For one of the most anticipated games for a while. It is called Frosthaven. Yes, Frosthaven. Everybody knows what Frosthaven is. If you know anything about games. It's the sequel to Gloomhaven. And I'm not the biggest Gloomhaven fan in the world, I will admit. I'm not interested in Haven in any way. But suddenly the Facebook boards exploded with this like massive update that was getting done. And pretty much any time they update anything on this, it's like, you know, it's uh, somewhat on there. But whoa, um, okay. So what do we have to see about it then? Well, it's based on what is now the infamous Update 80. You remember when Diablo 2 had a, what was it, error 42 or whatever it was that uh, meant that you could not load it upon buying it? This is basically the equivalent of that in terms of its controversy. But update 80, getting the narrative right. Basically, to cut a long story short, Isaac is basically hiring a cultural consultant to help him redo a lot of the narrative in Frosthaven. Um, to make it a bit more PC, a bit more culturally sensitive. And obviously, you know, this has been a massive topic of discussion in gaming for the last couple of years. You know, this is like what the future of gaming at this point. And he goes into a lot of detail about how he's going to look through what's been written, make changes, um, ensure that these races aren't like para- drawing parallels to real life uh, cultures that might be offended, that kind of thing. You know, lots of apologies and things like that. And then, mentions at the end and this is kind of one of the bigger sources of the controversy in that you know what he says about people who would be upset by some of these developments and this is essentially a classic example of you know the right in- good intentions being phrased poorly and you know the internet can certainly go to town on stuff like this and here i'm not surprised so you know his Actual statement is finally, I recognize there may be some small percentage of you that will be upset by these developments. You are more than welcome to your own opinions, but voicing those opinions and comments in a combative, disruptive, or derogatory way is not okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, that makes sense. I would encourage you to simply reach out to blah, 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 and re- request a full refund if you feel strongly enough about it. Fine. Okay, it's given a get out clause because doing a big change like this after you've finished the campaign is you might have wanted to do this before the campaign ended. Um, we've already done that for a couple of people who didn't think Black Lives Matter and we'd be happy to do it again for people who don't think board games should be a safe space for everybody. Now, good intentions here. And I can see where he's coming from and I can see the, why the positives here? But that paragraph has upset a lot of people and granted, it probably could have been worded better. Ironic that he's getting a consultant to reword a lot of the narrative in the story of Frosthaven, but yet this is the thing that kind of needed the rewrite. because this is basically implying and you know from my interpretation I could be wrong but I don't like this last sentence here where it says you know we'd be happy to do it again for people who don't think board games should be a safe space for everyone. The, the paragraph is worded in such a way that it's implying that if you disagree with these changes you don't think board games should be a safe space for everybody. That is not true, and that is a wide blanket statement, which has upset a lot of people. There's a few channels that have actually done videos on this, and I'm not going to do a video on this. I mean, I'm well, wait, actually stupid. I'm doing another podcasting on it, but I'm only going to go into it brief. But it's, it's kind of... I can see where people would get upset about that because just because you might disagree with this update does not mean that you don't think board games should be a safe space for everybody. Of course, I believe you know board games should be a safe space for everybody. I'm all for it. You want to rewrite your narrative and make it more sensitive to other cultures? Go for it. As long as you don't mess up the stories, and I think that's what people are worried about. You know, to it because you know to see if it's being culturally sensitive. Great, that's fine, but. In my case, I use games to escape from reality. So I'm one of these people that doesn't draw too many parallels from a game to real life. And so, you know, when I'm playing a fantasy game, I'm not exactly looking at a race of like, you know, humanoid rock people. And sort of going, oh, is this uh, related to this particular culture for any reason? I treat them as a race of rock people in their own regard. So I'm not like the target audience, I guess, on that one but what people want in this is that they want interesting stories because let's face it as much as you like the original gloomhaven most people did not comment on the stories being that great and with this one the worry is that by you know making it a lot more pc a lot more culturally sensitive that the stories could be watered down or made less engaging or less enthralling or less like intriguing because it's trying to play up to everybody in the world and That's a legitimate thing to be worried about. I mean, if you want the stories to be edgy and, like, more interesting, then there is the danger that a rewrite, especially at this late stage of development, after the campaign is already finished, you know, to suddenly make these dramatic changes, it could potentially spoil the narrative. Not saying it will, it could make the narrative even better. And if it does, fair play to it. You know, that's good writing. But it's got to be done right. You know, I like a lot of the grittier subject areas in, you know, Uh, storytelling i mean come on i got this war of mine you play this war of mine in days of the siege you've got some very like touchy subject areas it gets into but i like it it's an engaging story it makes you think about it and it's not like i'm going into it with glee you know sort of like I get to do this horrible nasty thing right now it's like no it still goes in my mind and i go oh that was bad that was nasty you know i feel for these people but it gets you involved and, you know, these hard choices that you have to make in stories make them more engaging for me. So I'm more up for that. But, you know, you gotta do it right. And I think that's what people are worried about. You know, what I don't want is for this kind of thing to get out of hand and risk being the focus point above everything else at the detriment of the stories involved. You know, when you when you make these things culturally sensitive and that, when you do it subtly, you know, because this big announcement has happened about it. Why make the announcement? Why not just do this behind the scenes? Bring the stories out. Everybody's happy. Nobody knew about it. And they go, these are great stories and they've been written well and they're sensitive and everything. And it's like, why make the big deal to announce it? But I draw a big parallel to something um, I watched recently, Mitchells versus The Machines, the, the movie. Uh, when you do these like culturally sensitive topics and you do them well and subtle, it really does work well. So... You know, I watched the I watched the movie and I think it's fantastic. Go watch the movie, ten out of ten. But I watched a few YouTube videos of things you didn't notice, and I was staggered by some stuff I didn't notice, particularly with the main character, Katie. Katie in the film, in, from what I interpret, is of the LGBT status, um, and I didn't get that at first until the very end of the film when there's a comment that her mum makes that certifies, yes, okay, she is, but. As soon as i watched those what you didn't notice in it and it said oh here's the other signs that point towards this i was like that's really cool it adds extra character depth to her. bit adds extra depth to our character it fleshes her out nicely but it didn't throw it into my face shouting notice me this is my story this is why i'm such a complex character no it just threw it in it wasn't the focus it was barely mentioned but when you know it it's like You get a lot of her motivations. You get why she acts in certain ways. Why, you know, where some of her comments make more sense. And nobody draws, like, undue attention to it. You know, it's just accepted. It's great. And I thought that was written so well in that movie. You know, and that's what I want to see in this kind of uh, setting with uh, with these board games. You can reference this kind of thing. You can use it. Great. And do it. And do good writing. But just... Make certain it's not like that person shouting in your face, notice me type thing. You know, make sure it's a little bit more subtle than that. Hence, I don't see why this needed to be a massive announcement. Why not just do it behind the scenes? You know, it didn't need to draw this kind of controversy. But as I say, it's good intentions. And I hope that this works. I hope that whatever rewrites that Isaac's doing with this turn out to be great. I hope the story gets more fleshed out so that people can say that whereas Gloomhaven didn't have great stories, Frosthaven has fantastic stories. You know, I want them to say that. And I hope that the majority of people are pleased with this. Those who didn't like it for legitimate reasons—I mean, if you're one of these people who hate it because you are one of these uh, bigots who don't think that you know people's lives matter and we shouldn't respect other cultures—then fine, get the get the refund and go. But you know that's your choice. But if you are just somebody who thought you know I don't want it to go down this route or I'm not happy with the way this game's been developed, please give me a refund, and that's your choice. Go do it. That's perfectly fine. We've got plenty of games to play. It's up to you. I'm not going to think any less of you for it, and. I'm not even a backer of this game, so, you know, it's not like I'm losing out or anything. But I just feel that this was great intentions worded badly. And this is the thing, you've got to be careful with the way that you bring these uh, things out. You've got to be careful how you word it because the internet is a dangerous place and things can be interpreted so badly. But that's all I'm going to say on this point, so I apologize if this is kind of a weird sort of board game topic to cover. But it was getting such a lot of attention and controversy. I thought I just had to kind of say my two cents on it. As I say, good intentions. I hope it pans out well. You know, it's a shame that it's become like a massive like yelling point for a lot of people. But all I'm saying is do it well. And, you know, publishers, designers, be just a little bit more mindful on how you word your good intentions. Because even the best of intentions worded badly can come off and cause upset. You know, that's just the thing. So uh, onto a more positive note, let's get onto a channel shout out and talk about a channel called Jay's Plays. Sorry, Jay Plays, my mistake. 138 subscribers and if you want the first word that comes to your head when you look at the videos on here, saturation is what I would say. Wow, I mean the saturation level on these thumbnails has been turned up to 200%. I've never seen box covers look this bright and colorful. Fair play, it makes them stand out uh, from the crowd when you look at them but You know, certainly the only thing I would probably suggest just as a small tip for Jay is when I look at these thumbnails, I can see the game cover, but your Jay plays thing is very small. It's a tiny triangle on the bottom left. And if you're looking at this on a mobile device, you're not going to see that it's Jay plays. I get that this is what your branding is, that small triangle, but I think you should make the Jay plays more prominent. Make it really stand out on the thumbnail so people can look at it and go, oh, that's J-Plays. That's one of their videos. I'm going to go watch it. You know, otherwise it's a little tricky to find. But essentially J-Plays does a bunch of playthroughs and at the moment it's somewhat restricted on what games are available. But these are very popular titles. I mean, Xeons End, It's a Wonderful World, Race for the Galaxy, Terraforming Mars, and some of these are app driven. Uh, so some of them are board game driven, like Terraforming Mars and Spirit Island, but then some of them are app driven, like Race for the Galaxy and Through the Ages. Uh, but Xeon's End is that. So there's some very big popular games here that are being done in playthrough. Red Rising's another one. Uh, so you can get some playthrough uh, uh games of that. They're not particularly long videos as well, so you know they're easily to digest. And, you know, 138 subscribers, I say, give them a look and see whether the playthroughs are to your liking. I mean, there's definitely fans of this game and, you know, if these are very popular games. Oh yeah, Mage Knight's another one there. You know, I don't like Mage Knight, but um, there's a lot of fans out there. I'm sure they'd like to see how it plays in solo mode and get his views on it. So yeah, I mean, give it a look, see if it's anything that you like and consider subscribing. Hashtag support small creators. 138 subscribers so far let's see if we can push him past the 500 mark even better let's push him to the 1000 mark and get jay plays a little bit more attention so oh blimey how far are we in this podcast now uh we're already up to 44 minutes and i haven't even done the topic yet well the topic's not going to be a huge one so this is probably going to be about an hour long at this rate but thank you to emily on my patreons for this topic idea i think this is pretty good She asked the question, how much research goes into a game before I purchase it? Does FOMO play a part as well? And FOMO, for those who don't know the um, abbreviation, is fear of missing out. So this is very much a cult in the new driven thing where the new hotness gets hyped up to like craziness. And everybody else is grabbing it. And you think, well, if I don't get it, am I missing out on something really, really good? And now I want to play it. It's like, you know, maybe I should get it just for the sake of it. Does that play a part in my decision making? Well, let's nip that second bit right now. No, <laughs> FOMO does not play a single part in my purchasing decision. I am an accountant, a tax accountant. When it comes to money management, I'm pretty good. <laughs> you know, I'm pretty good with my money management. So I do not just rush into purchases willy nilly without some context beforehand. At least very rarely do I do that but i do not care if something is hyped up like crazy and a load of people have it and i don't whatever it's not like we're short of games here people i mean you can see the shelves there's a lot of games we've got plenty enough around just because i don't have this one game is not going to suddenly invalidate my collection or make me not lose sleep at you know maybe lose sleep at night because i don't have it here Whoopie whoopie do <laughs> you know it's like i mean i mentioned destinies earlier on people are hyping it up like crazy well critics anyway we'll get onto that in the detail review but the idea is is that let's say I never got destinies let's say I never played it and I saw people loving it to bits it got nothing but good reviews and I'd never played it I'd be keen to try it but other than that so I'd be fine I mean if I didn't feel like it was going to suit me if I did my research on the game and thought mm, will I like this Will I not like that do I need another campaign game do I need another big like kickstarter thing I'd be like you know what I'm cool. I don't desperately need it and there are some games like that recently like Red Rising for example. It's had kind of meh reviews but people have asked me am I gonna review that one and I never opted for a copy of it because when I did the research on the game I don't think I'm gonna like it that much. I'll play it if somebody brings it to me and shows me it I will gladly sit down and play it and give you my first impressions of it but Honestly, I'm not that bothered if I have it or not. You know, there's plenty of other games to review and I'm not the Dice Tower. I don't have a team working daily, every hour of the day to put out content. I have to kind of cherry pick which games I go after. So yeah, FOMO, do not care. How much research goes into a game before purchasing though? Quite a bit. So let's get off this page here and kind of show you. What do I do when I think about purchasing the game? Well, firstly, BGG, Board Game Geek. You know, if you don't know what Board Game Geek is by now, then certainly, you know, do your research on that front. But the website, the database, you know, I may disagree with their ranking system and how they rate things. And certainly, you know, there's lots of talks and things like BGG censorship and that. But in terms of the database, I need it. (laughs) I need it in order to look up a lot of games. So... I will go through and let's, for example, say I feel like... In fact, let's take a real example from what I'm doing recently. I am debating what to spend some of my sponsorship money on in terms of games that I could review. Games I've not played. And I was contemplating a Dominant Species Marine. I was also contemplating uh, In the Hall of the Mountain King, whatever it's called. I think In the Hall of the Mountain King. And because I'm going to be soon due to do a retrospective 2020 top 10 list at some point in the summer, I thought maybe thought you know, the uh, little card game. I have not played that yet, and I think that came out in 2020. But let's take uh, Dominant Species Marine, all right? Let's have a look at this one here. So I go onto Board Game Geek, and I go, let's have a look at the cover. So I can tell, nice-looking cover. I've played Dominant Species before, so it's like, you know, okay, fine. Is it going to be similar to that? I need to have a think. GMT Games. Well, so was the previous one. So my first inclination would be, is this similar to the previous one or is it different enough? So I'll look at the description and I'll read the description. It's quite lengthy on this one, so I'm not going to repeat. But, you know, it's giving me details on the gameplay, what it's about. It even mentions uh, differences between the original and this one. So that's quite very useful information. Then I'll go on to YouTube and decide, okay, well, let's have a look at YouTube and see if anybody has, uh, sorry, that's looking on my own channel. Let's, let's go on to YouTube and then I'll think, let's come on, come on, load, come on, internet. There we go. So dominant species, marine review. So I'll have a look, see if anybody's talked about it. So, uh, let's see, John get games. I don't usually watch his stuff, but you know, he's done a tutorial on playthrough, so I could look up that. Ah, tutorial and playthrough video from paul grogan so paul grogan's done the video on it uh you know and this obviously must have been a a fairly a prototype version because it was two years ago whereas john get games is one month ago but again somebody i know and trust is done a video on it so okay i could go watch it um but it doesn't look like there's much Oh no, know somebody else here uh, uh may viener has done a video on their thoughts uh war and pieces has done a video um do get games again uh no strings attached from the dice tower has done a video on it daily game unboxing and paul grogan as i mentioned before has actually done some playthrough videos of it and an unboxing so i go onto the youtube and i look up some video content and it may be for i mean i might look up uh may vener i don't know who may vener is but i would look it up and see what she has to say on it and As i say if i look up people like dice tower and paul grogan who i watch their stuff i can go right well they've done some videos i'll take some time to have a view of them and get my initial thoughts now granted i don't tend to watch playthroughs very often as i've mentioned before so i'd be less inclined to watch those ones in detail but an unboxing teaser thoughts you know an actual review you know i'd certainly be interested to watch that but that's another thought process okay what creators do i know have produced video content now, if I go back to uh, Board Game Geek in that respect, you could also apply that to written reviews and videos on here. So, on here you've got videos. I can look up some extra stuff. So all these people who probably don't have, you know, well, they they would be on YouTube, but maybe they don't appear in YouTube searches. What have we got here? We got uh, who are some of these uh, marathon meeples, um, Paul Grogan, Dice Tower, uh, Fenny Rob you know, I don't know all of these, so sorry if I'm butchering a lot of names, uh, TGG Jeff, Nova Prime, uh, uh, Mavena again is there, so yeah, you know, there's there's plenty of video content there, but then there's also text reviews maybe, so I can go into forums and look up reviews and see that there's three thirds there, first impressions, Uh, Rogers reviews, he's done a full review, he's got a lot of likes, so at least I will have that, I could read that and some initial thoughts after a first game. Oh I take a bit of water there. And so <clears throat> I've got a lot of these things to go on already and I have to make my own decision as to whether what they say agrees with me. Because I'm not going to say like oh I go watch uh, Fenny Rob's review and he says it's a 10 out of 10 it's fantastic. I'm not instantly going to go oh cool I think it's a 10 out of 10 then I'll buy it. Well, no, I've got to think about why is it a 10 out of 10. And this is why more board game reviewers need to realize this. You need to say why something is good or bad. You can say it's good or bad. Definitely say if it's bad, if it's bad. But you need to say why. That is the critical question. Because I don't care if you say... The components are good. You know, this is why I don't agree with the reviews that take like a minute, three minutes or whatever stuff, you know, because I don't think there's enough detail there to say why something is good. You can say that the artwork looks beautiful. Why does it look beautiful? Is it your style? Do you think it's colourful? Do you think it's good? Because you could say the artwork is beautiful in a game and I think it looks like rubbish. You know, (laughs) it's like, well, you know, why do you think it's good? But then let's go on to mechanics. You could say, well, you know, it has a really interesting and innovative worker placement system. How? How is it interesting? How is it innovative? You know, I mean, worker placement has been done to death. It's very difficult to make that innovative. So what exactly are you going to show me here? You know, it's like, come on, you gotta say why. And so by checking out a variety of content, I can see what their reasons are for good and bad. Why they don't like something? Why they like something? And make my own decision based on that. You know, I'm never going to buy into a game just because somebody tells me it's amazing. Yeah, Rune Stones is another great example. Um, the deck builder. I've been banging on a lot about that recently. I was a bit hesitant on it at first. A friend of mine kept going on constantly to say, "Play it, you know, play it. It's really, really good." And it's like, okay, fine, I'll try it eventually, but I'm not going to go mad first. And then, now, it it started off as a 7 out of 10. It's now a 9 out of 10. I am loving this game more and more. And I've even bought an expansion for it on eBay, the Enchanted Forest. You know, I am loving, loving, loving this game. But I was hesitant at first and I did some research and I thought, Okay, let's have a look on BGG. Here's some very nice pretty pictures. It looks really nice. It's a deck builder. Okay, cool. That sounds fine. Oh, Tom Vassell's done a review of it. Let me go watch his review and see what he has to say. Okay, I can see I like that. And is that going to be enough? We'll see. Let's look on... And after I've done all this content searching, there's the price point as well. So, you know, I hate to give too much of a sponsorship, but after all, I am sponsored by Zatu Games. So why don't I actually, you know, give them some credit here. Uh, but, you know, I can go to the Zatu website and decide how much do I want to spend on this game. Okay, so for example, I could go Dominant Species Marine. Let's have a look have they got dominant species in stock I hope so here we go five plus in stock for 53 pounds reduced from an rrp of 78 that sounds like a good reduction and 50 pounds for a game that's quite you know big involved has a lot of pieces in it and stuff as dominant species is doesn't actually sound that bad a price to be honest although i won't just simply go to one website and say that's it i will at least do a bit more research so uk board game prices is a website I use religiously to find, uh, you know, decent deals. It's an easy website. I don't know if there's an American version for this. Uh, Maybe there is, but certainly there might be an American version. Because I think it does look up, well, it looks up European countries. So perhaps there's one for Americans. I don't know. Um, Let me know in the comments if there is. I'd be interested in that, actually. But basically, I can find a new hotness. So I could, well, let's pick one of these. But I could also search for one. So, okay, let me do a search. Dominant Species Marine. <laughs> GMT owe me royalties for this, but fine. The dominant species marine. Here we go, and then this tells me in my area and even overseas what the price is at the moment, including shipping of this game. So currently, I can see that the cheapest price is actually Zatu.co.uk, and I honestly I did not research this ahead of time. This is pure coincidence, but uh because Zatu is not always the cheapest one around. But you know, fifty three pounds plus shipping, fifty six pound, fifty six pound for dominant species marine. Next up, Magic Madhouse. Dice and Decks, Chaos Cards, Dragon Caverns, Playboard Games, Board Game Guru, Firestorm, Titan Games, Mika's, Bilbo's Corner, Ludiquist, and then various European suppliers that I've never heard of, you know, granted, and and then some other British ones who have run out of stock. So I know they've run out of stock. But I look at this and I go, all right, so this is how much I'm expecting to pay for this game. Have I got the money for it? At this point I do, but I'm still thinking... Will i like it will i enjoy it you know and the price comes into it because obviously i want to get value out of my purchase so therefore it's useful to find out the price for a game so with all this said and done i go right these are the mechanics do i like these mechanics will they work this is what reviewers have said about it good and bad is this what i'm going to go for we shall see you know is it a game that i can fit on the shelf storage is another thing because it's okay saying i'll buy this game but if it's like ridiculously huge and takes up an entire calyx you know where am i going to find the space for it storage is important to me right now as i'm in a kind of one in one out scenario with a lot of my games and the more i buy expansions for games the more games i have to cull because i need to fit the expansion boxes in <laughs> it's a bit of a problem uh but on top of that you've got uh i would say the the other consideration game length and who am i going to play it with so for example i mentioned sunset over water earlier nice simple card game Cheap to buy, even if I don't like it, it's not a lot of money out of my pocket, but also it's nice and simple. One to four players, so I know I can play it solo if I can't play it with other people. Uh, 20 minute playing time, 20 to 30 minutes, okay, so it's nice and quick. I should be able to get it to the table quite often, and why not give it a try for how simple it is. But then, War of the Ring, for example, took me a while before I decided to buy it because I look at this and go, hmm, two to four players, but people play it with two. Wait, 4.16 out of 5. Yes, I don't put much, like, cop in that rating, but still. You know, I have to know that this is a really heavy game that I'm not going to be able to play with a lot of people. So I need to find the one person that can play it. It's a two-player game, primarily. You know what I'm like when it comes to two-player games. I don't get them out very easily. So there's that other problem. Two and a half to three hours, and that's on a good time. You know, we couldn't finish it in four hours. So this is a long game. So I have to think, hmm, long game very expensive you know this is a 70 80 pound plus game but you get a lot in the box you know do I want to play a game that's that expensive that's only two player and granted if it wasn't for Zatu sponsorship I probably wouldn't have paid the money out for this but you know I had to think well it is Lord of the Rings and I do really like Lord of the Rings the movies, at least uh, for the most part, anyway. I mean, I've got other Lord of the Rings stuff in my collection, and it's it is ranked high on Board Game Geek, and I looked up reviews, and I thought that does sound cool. This does sound cool, and you heard my first impressions earlier, but honestly, it's pretty cool how uh you know how it turned out eventually, and I don't regret my purchase so far. You know, I'm gonna get some plays out of it. It's gonna get its money's worth before I decide if I'm keeping or selling it, but that's. Though know, this one required a lot of research in advance. So essentially what I'm saying is before you buy a game, do your research, find out how much it is. Are you going to be able to play it often? Who are you going to play it with? What player count? Does it scale well? You know, if you're constantly playing something like Architects of the West Kingdom, but there's only two of you, I might suggest go buy a different game because Architects of the West Kingdom really ideally wants more players. So that's a big factor, you know, Uh, Is it a style you like? Are the reviewers positive and critical about it? Uh, You know, do they say why it's good and bad? You know, does that align with your own tastes? It's okay someone saying, Oh yeah, Rich, you make these really good economic decisions about the buying and selling of shares. I could not care less about the buying and selling of shares. I hate that theme, and I'm not the biggest economic game fan. Granted, this is why you like that game. It's why I'm going to hate it, so I know not to buy it that's the kind of thought process, so yeah, price, mechanics, theme, uh, critical response, uh, you know, from a wide variety of people, big and small, uh, playthrough, if you're into that, go watch those, uh, BoardGameGeek, use the website, it is a database after all, go on the message boards and that, you can find some people who aren't on YouTube, who can give some useful feedback on there, uh, and boardgameprices.co.uk, find out how much it is, There's a lot of research you can do and yeah I know it sounds like wow that's detailed look do you really go into that much detail with every game? Not every game but I'm you know and I'm kind of explaining it in a long-winded fashion here but this is the kind of stuff I'm going through my head deciding what to want to do and I've mentioned Dominant Species Marine a lot but then I'm also doing this for in the Hall of the Mountain King and Fort and I'm like Hmm, what do I want to buy at this point? You know, expansions are another example for uh, to take into account. Let's, uh, for example, take Expansion Period. Worst name ever. But this is an expansion for Tail to Huicon. And this is a game I really like. Nine out of ten is in my collection. But I don't know if I want this expansion because I think there's plenty enough content in the game with the first two expansions that it already has. I'm worried that this is going to give me a lot more bloat that I really want. But then in addition to that, I look at it and go, well, it's been rated highly so far. So, okay, cool. Maybe it is really cool. It's modular, so I can cherry pick what goes in and out. So even if there's stuff I don't like, I can say, right, never playing with it. Okay, cool. I look up the price point. Not that expensive, just over £20 for an expansion. You know, that's kind of typical these days. And it does sound like there's a lot of content in this box for the £20. I mean, that's a pretty sizable amount of stuff you get in there. And after doing my research, I'm like, hmm, more player powers? Cool. More variety of boards? Cool. I'm not sure I'm keen on this whole, like, Conquer Other Regions board, this little mini board that you get on the side. That sounds to me like bloat. So I'm thinking about that. But then the main reason I don't feel I want this expansion is nothing against the design of it at all. It's the fact that it would take up more space. Tale to barely fits in the box with what I've got in it at the moment. I don't have an insert for it, but I've got baggies and like cloth bags and stuff. I've pimped out quite a bit. But, you know, I can just about fit everything in the box with the first two expansions up to Shadows of Zittel or whatever it's called, right? If I get this, it will not fit in the base box. And I know people who have bought this with the same amount of content they've tried. They can't get it to fit. So this would have to take up extra space on my shelf if I buy it which could mean culling another game. I'm not sure I need any more content for Teotihuacan to warrant culling another game. You know, I feel there's plenty enough in it. I think anything else would just be bloat. Maybe what's in this expansion is fantastic and and would bump it up to a 10 out of 10. But for those negatives that are like, I don't know if it's going to suit my personal circumstances. I don't know if I want to invest my money in this. We'll see. Maybe my opinion will change. But again research think about your purchase and you know sorry if I'm getting my f's and th's wrong you know my speech disorder does not help me pronounce those well but you know th- think oh whatever I can't you know I can't speak properly that's just me but you know just have some consideration before you buy oh wow Limey. I've been talking a lot this episode we what are we up to an hour and three minutes. This is one of the longer podcasts I've done, but hopefully you've enjoyed it. You know, and you know whether you know. Let me know in the comments what you think about some of the topics discussed. Obviously, I know I discussed a rather controversial topic earlier. Let's keep it civil. So you know, no, you know, we're not. I'm not here to generate some kind of hate war or anything like that. I'm trying to see both sides of a coin here, as I normally do. But you know, you know, check out some of the other. So, you know, what do you think of the Dominion app? What do you think of the games that I've played? Do you agree with me on what you've played from Destinies and War of the Ring and those other games? What did you think about the segment for you know researching? What do you do before you purchase a game? Let me know in the comments and say about that. Uh, are you interested in the Spiel Awards? Have you played some of the games that I haven't? Can you give me some uh, feedback on to what those games are like? Particularly Robin Hood, I'm interested in that one. But what's to come on the channel for the future? Well, uh, I'm already working on the next top 10 list. You loved my first one, so uh, granted, I think you're going to like the second one. Top 10 tiny games. Games that I could fit into my coat pocket pretty much. You know, what are my 10 favourites? And I've got a People's Choice poll on the board game group going already, so I'm going to get their votes and we'll do a People's Choice same format as the recent one. So, if you like it, then be rest assured, I'm g- I'm going to get into them as much as I physically can. Uh, next week, we've got another collaboration with Board Game Perspective. They will be returning with a uh, top five hyped games I'll try and expect greatness I need to shorten the title the title needs work but essentially we're going to talk about five games that people have hyped up like crazy that we should play And we're hoping that they'll be great. Like we expect them to be great. So this is kind of like the preamble to did they live up to the hype or not? This is just anticipated games we're excited about. And this doesn't just necessarily mean Kickstarter and 2021. It could be any game that's been released that we just haven't played yet. So we're going to do a top five as well as honorable mentions. And I'll get the live chat involved in that. It'll be nice to have them back on the channel. Uh, Destinies, as I said, is going to get a detailed review. I'm going to do a full detail review of this game, you know, for good, or, for better or worse. And we're getting to the end of the month. So sooner or later, it will be time to do my first compilation episode for board game acquisitions and board game calls. I said that was what I'm going to do. Not just one video for each video. Sorry, one video for each game. Get it right. I was going to do like an end of month summary to say, all right, for May, what have I acquired... What are my thoughts? Why did I do it? And then also for me on a separate video, what have I culled and why I've culled it? Better to do it in a bulk of games in one video. Easier for you lot to digest. You still get the same like, you know, benefits. You still get to hear about these games I've culled. But rather than try and keep track of my channel with five separate videos on five separate games, you can just basically tune into one video and get everything in one fell swoop. You know, I think that's a much better way of doing it. So yeah, some good stuff on the way, but yeah. That was a long episode. I think I'm going to take a break and go to the gym. I think rest my voice, (laughs) which is definitely uh, drying up a bit, and work on maybe getting some uh, more weights, yeah, some more muscle weights, because I have taken a break since Wednesday, since the vaccine, not done any exercise, and I've been eating and drinking quite a bit this week in celebration of getting back into social activity. So. uh stomach's probably suffered a bit from that I need to get back into the swing of things so and um, what else is updated oh yeah I haven't had my new car yet that I mentioned last time Um, hasn't yet been delivered but uh, that'll be fun (laughs) to get my uh, yellow Suzuki Swift Sport 2021 version that's going to be fun I'm going to enjoy driving around in that so that's it for me I'm going to sign off now take care hope you've enjoyed this somewhat extended length podcast there was a lot to talk about this uh, week um leave a like on the video if you're if if it was good for you don't forget to check out the patreon if you want to support the channel in any way i'm eternally grateful for those of you who engage with me you know you know it's your choice whether to subscribe but i'm more interested in likes and feedback and engagement that's the thing that makes this a lot more fun so take care enjoy the rest of your sunday uh, or whatever day you're listening to this i'm going to stop rambling now because i don't know when to stop take care love you all remember It's only a game. Bye for now. Take care.